1: If you want to be just and righteous before God, then you have nothing to offer God in your self defense but the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ. Period.
0: Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael oxen will be here in just a moment with today's message. You know, here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is here now to take your prayer request. And thank you so much for listening. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxintanko is entitled, Freed by His Blood. That's freed by His Blood. Remember, if you miss any portion of this first part of the broadcast, you can always go to reachingyourheart.com and listen to the entire message without interruption. That's reachingyourheart.com. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxintanko, with today's Reaching Your Heart entitled,
1: freed by his blood how many of you want to be saved raise your hand you want to be saved you know we can talk about what we believe we can talk about religion but the bottom line is we need to get out of here and live forever isn't that right the church was raised up so that god could have an avenue that is just and merciful to save the human race So as Christians, we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and this is no small confession of our faith. Did you hear me? We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's funny, I move around in places where I've heard people say, well, you know, that sounds pagan to say that we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is not pagan to say that we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I affirm that with confidence and joy today. In the Bible, the very first time the word blood appears, it appears as a direct result of a murder it starts out negative but when it ends it's the glorious victory of jesus at the cross and so let's look at it where it begins back in the book of genesis in the bible came came to god with the fruit of his hands to atone for the sin of his soul and you know the story in the hebrew it says he had a gift to give to god he wasn't very generous either abel came to god with a broken and contrite spirit Cain offered the fruit of his hands to God so God would accept him because of his good efforts, his good works. He was saying, listen, Lord, I've pulled it together. I produced good fruit. Now you must accept me. And Abel came to God with a lamb from the flock of his fold because no fruit is good enough to atone for any sin And so God accepted the sacrifice of the lamb, and for Abel, it became righteousness. And we should learn what happened this side of the door of Eden because it becomes prophetic of everyone who needs to be righteous in the future. The Bible says Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It's human nature to try hard, to approach God for acceptance by doing something good. I mean, there's something in our psyche. We think if we do it right, if we get this correct, that somehow God will love me, God will accept me, that I'll have the evidence that I'm a good Christian. And so we come to God with our gifts. We offer him what we do as evidence that we're worthy in some way. It is universal to the human psyche to think that way. Cain wanted to prove that he was good enough to be saved and accepted. Have you ever done that in your life? You ever tried to prove to God that you're good enough to be saved and accepted? I think we all have. But Abel confessed by his actions that he was not good enough to be saved in his own righteousness. And thus the line is drawn between the two halves of the human race. We find it right there. The children of Cain, the children of Abel. Even though Abel had no children, he becomes, in a sense, the prototype of all the children of faith that would follow. Cain had a high view of his own goodness, and every follower of Cain ever since thinks the same way. Abel trusted in God, in contrast, for the gift of righteousness, and every follower of Abel ever since thinks the same way. It's interesting, Cain's name means to create in Hebrew. He wanted to create his own righteousness instead of submitting to God's righteousness with a lamb. Cain sought recognition for his good works and approval from God. Instead, what did God do? He rebuked him. He didn't accept a gift like that. You know, we come to God, we say, Lord, you know, I was doing this last week for the church. I was faithful here and there. Now, being faithful is great. Commitment is a great thing to have in your life. But when you come to God by saying, Lord... You really got to do something for me because I'm a good servant. I've pulled it off. I've been obedient. I've grown in my life. God doesn't care about that because what God really cares about is you, your deep need for salvation and real righteousness. So God rebuked Cain for his error. He was pharisaical in a way. Abel confessed, in contrast, his need for a righteousness that he could not provide on his own. And thus, Abel admitted that he could never in himself be good enough for the judgment day as he offered the Lamb to God. Abel's name in Hebrew means vanity or mist. And you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, and it says vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It uses the Hebrew word Abel. Abel, Abel. Everything is like Abel. Abel died at the hands of his brother And it looked like Abel's life was only a vain mist that blew away. It looked like the path of humility with a lamb doesn't pay in this life. The Bible says that God accepted the sacrifice of Abel, but he rejected Cain's offering. So the man who offered a gift to God to prove his righteousness to God, the man who did that was not accepted by God. And the man who came with the sacrifice, he was accepted. Which group do you want to be in today? I want to be with Abel. What about you? I want to have it right with God, not wrong. Genesis 4 Cain said to Abel, his brother, let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So the man who would not bring a sacrifice to God in the storyline of Genesis ends up sacrificing his brother in the raw heat of his anger because he was angry with God. He was angry with his brother. The very first time the word blood is used in the Hebrew Bible, it is used in Genesis 4.10 for a martyr's death. Look at verses 9 as we read down. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. And then the famous line, am I my brother's keeper? He's really saying, I'm all about hate and not about love. I really don't care about others. I care about religion. I care about looking good. But I didn't care about my brother. I still don't care about my brother. Why do he ask me about him? Verse 10, the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. As soon as Cain sheds Abel's blood in anger, a curse followed Cain that was self-induced, self-inflicted, because Cain brought it on himself by his actions and his attitude. Self-righteousness will always bring the curse that is the fruit of unbelief. God cursed Cain from the ground, but God did not curse Cain away from God. If we think that way, we're missing the storyline. He was trying to tell Cain that he should never, ever try to use the fruit of the ground, the evidence of his own good works, as that which would commend him to God. And so he said, look, I'm going to make it hard for you to work in the ground so you can depend on me for the rest of your life. God put a sign of mercy on Cain, but Cain left God and went east because The self-righteous soul will have none of God's righteousness. And in the end, the self-righteous person leaves God to go back and fix things. He went east of Eden. The blood of Abel bears testimony that we must always come to God like Abel did with the merits of the Lamb. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 4. The Bible says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he received approval as righteous. God bearing witness by accepting his gifts, he died. But through his faith, he is still speaking. Hebrews twelve twenty four to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks more graciously than the blood of Abel. You see, blood makes a difference. Blood has something to say. Blood speaks in Eden. Blood will speak at the end of time. At the center of human history, there is blood on the cross of Calvary. The life and death of Abel is proof, friend, that God will only accept the lamb and the blood as the basis of our righteousness. I meet people, and maybe you have, who have come to me and say, Pastor Mike, you know, my hope is that I can get somehow perfect enough in this world so that I can be accepted at the time of the end. You ever hear something like that? Now, how many of you want to be perfect? I'm in that group. I want to be perfect. The Bible says, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And that verse in its context means be ye merciful as my heavenly Father in heaven is merciful. But I want to be perfect. I don't want any known sin in my life. But you know what? I have learned that the more I try to prove to God that I am perfect, the less perfect I am. In fact, I've also found that when I start focusing on myself in this way, I become disobedient in my walk with God. And so the pursuit of perfection ends up with the loss of Jesus Christ. So we should pursue Christ who is our perfection and God will give us the growth that we need. And so there's a paradox here in focusing upon the outcome. We can lose sight of Christ in the journey. No one gets to heaven by simply trying to be good or looking good. That's the storyline of Cain and Abel and Eden. The Bible says that all have sinned. All are worthy of death and everyone on the face of the earth needs the lamb to take away the sin of the world. The doctrine that man can save himself by his own works is a bankrupt and empty belief because only Jesus' blood can save us from our sins. In Genesis 9-4, God commanded Noah and his family to never eat meat with the blood in it because the life is in the blood. When the blood is shed, the life is shed. The entire sacrificial system of the Hebrew sanctuary was built upon this vital principle that the life is in the blood. You shed the blood for forgiveness. Leviticus 17, verse 11. I mean, this is like an amazing verse in our Old Testament. The Bible says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for... What does it say in your Bible? To make atonement for for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life what does that mean? The word atonement in the Hebrew is taken from a verb that means to cover. The blood covers the life that is sinned. And so the blood makes atonement for the life that is sinned. We have all sinned. And so the only way to be forgiven and covered is to have the blood applied to our life. When Adam and Eve left Eden, they were naked at first because of sin. They couldn't go into the cold of an awful world unless something dramatic happened and God put skins of animals on them. He taught them that you had to be covered to survive in a sinful state. We're all laid bare before the eyes of a righteous God. He knows what's inside of you. He knows what's inside of me. He sees every failing, every fault. He knows that, and dear heart, he is with you in grace and love. We're all laid bare before the eyes of a righteous God. And so he has given the blood that atonement will occur for us. The blood is the atonement. I've heard people say that this idea that someone has to die for us is a pagan idea. It didn't start with paganism. It started back there at the door of Eden. It's not pagan to believe that someone must die for my sins. We diminish the awful nature of sin to believe otherwise. The Bible says the blood is the life, and that means it takes a life that is sacrificed to cover the nakedness of the life that is sinned. We cannot provide a real righteousness to God by just trying hard to be good because none of us are good enough. And so God has provided the blood to cover us and to make us right with him. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is identified as the preexistent Word of God. And God says this about Jesus in John 1, 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men." Jesus came into this world to give His life. The blood is the life. So John says that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'll tell you something about me. When I think about my own life and where I've messed up, I don't want it in my life. I'd like to remove the memory and the connection of everything I've ever done wrong. What about you? You want to hang on to the wrong in your life? You want to have it rolling through your head? Jesus came into this world to disconnect you from your sin by grace. It takes blood to atone for sin because the blood is the life. And in Jesus, there is life because Jesus is the creative Word of God who became the Lamb of God. In the Old Testament, the priests killed sacrifices all year long. But those sacrifices could never permanently cleanse the conscience of the worshiper. Hebrews 9.22, indeed, under the law almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins hebrews 10:4 for it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins so the old testament ends with a problem it's not good enough the sacrificial system ends with this yearning for something that will get it done and so there was a need for better blood In the book of Hebrews, in the New Covenant, Jesus is the better blood. Jesus is the better sacrifice. Jesus is a sacrifice that never, ever has to be repeated because Jesus got it done. Hebrews 10.19 is right up there with John 3.16 in my book as one of those verses that is monumental in our Bible. You can base your whole life on verses like John 3.16 and Hebrews 10.19. Let's look at Hebrews 10.19. Therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the sanctuary. How? What does the text say? How do we enter God's presence? What does it say? By the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by the new and living way which He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest, what does it say? Over the house of God. Verse 22 is our response. Let us draw near with a true heart In what kind of attitude? It says, in full assurance of faith. Not with fear, not with self-condemnation, not with self-doubt, but assured in our faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. Friends, Jesus' blood has got it done. We have access to God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to speak to you directly. If you're struggling in your life, if you're struggling with this idea that God cannot accept you, if you're looking at the fact that you've messed up, if you're looking at the reality of a life that has good and bad, the bad overwhelms you and it haunts your conscience at times.
0: Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko.
1: Dear heart, the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for you to clear your conscience that you might approach a living God with full confidence and faith, knowing that God accepts you because of the blood. We're only faithful when we rely on His faithfulness. We're only saved when we rely on His blood that was given for us. We are not saved by any other contrived notion or action but the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are only cleansed when we rely on His blood to cleanse. And thus we grow, thus sin is removed from the life by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are only accepted because His blood was shed for us on the cross of Calvary. Now there's a paradox in the shed blood of Jesus. The shed blood of Jesus, friend, is the new and living way. He died to open up the new and living way that we might approach God with no fear of condemnation, with no fear of having failed, that in Christ we are complete by the glory of God who gave us the gospel of God in Jesus. Friend, sin brings fear, bondage, isolation, loneliness, and rejection that is self-imposed as the mind works upon itself. But nonetheless, God is a God who will not set aside His holy law. He found a way to save us and keep His law intact because the law is the constitution of the universe. Paul tells us in the book of Romans that the obedience to the law, as important as it is, is a moral standard, an eternal moral standard. James says it's a standard in the judgment day. But Paul makes this statement, the obedience of the law, as important as it is, will not clear one man or one woman in the judgment day. It is not good enough for righteousness. It takes a better righteousness than the law to be not guilty in the presence of a holy God. Romans 3.20, I'll prove it to you. For no human being will be justified in his sight by works of the law, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So what does God do for us when the offering of Cain won't work in life or in the judgment day? What does he do when we come to him with the fruit of the ground, our best efforts, and God says, I really can't accept that as the basis of your righteousness. What does God do for us when the fruit of our hands and all the efforts that we have is disregarded and we stand naked before a righteous God who knows everything about our lives? Romans 3.21, here is the solution. But now... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. This word manifested, phaneros, or phanerao in the verbal form, is a direct allusion to the mare of Daniel eight fifteen and verse 26, the manifestation of the mighty man, the Messiah. In Isaiah 52 and 53, he had no mare, no manifestation that we should desire him. The great hope of the prophets was to see the appearance of the living Son of God. And so Paul says, but now the righteousness of God has appeared in the Greek, has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. In other words, the righteousness that saves us does not do away with the law, even though the law can't save us. Verse 22, the righteousness of God, here it is, through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Now, I want you to look at verse 23 in your Bibles with me. Since all have sinned, now how many of you are in that camp? Raise your hand if you're in that camp. I meet people who think they don't, and they're always hard on people who do. We've all sinned. All have sinned. That's the past. And Then it says, and fall short of God's glory. The Greek is a verb that indicates continually fall short of God's glory. How many of you have found, if you're honest as a Christian, you continually fall short of God's glory? Anybody in that group? Okay, that covers us. We've sinned in the past, and we still can mess up in the present, and we aren't pulling it off perfectly. So what does God do for Christians who are in that camp? And Don't ignore your Bible. It's speaking to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to the Word, not our impressions. So what does God do? Look at the next phrase. They are justified by His grace. That means His kindness as a gift through the redemption of, which is in Christ Jesus. That's what the blood of Jesus does. And you notice that's a present tense verb in verse 24. They are justified. It agrees with the verb that precedes it. Continually fall short as present. And so it's more than just cover our past. It covers us in this walk with God in which we are not quite what we should be, but in the journey we are accepted. Verse 25, whom God put forward as an expiation. The Greek word is hilasterion. It means a guilt offering, a substitutionary guilt offering. By His blood, it says, to be received by faith. You know, there's something magical about this. Beautiful, marvelous. When we come to God and we look at the cross and we say, the blood of Christ is the only right I have to know you. I cling to you by the sacrifice of your son. The mighty heart of God is moved because of that. The mighty heart of God is moved because God gave Christ to save you. He loved His Son before He ever knew you. And so in your recognition of His Son's role to save you, His love for you is covenantially affirmed. It goes to say this was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to prove at the present time that He Himself is righteous and that He justifies him who has faith in Jesus Friend, if you want to be just and righteous before God, then you have nothing to offer God in your self-defense but the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ, period. I'm sorry the worst sinner will make it to heaven who comes to Christ and follows at the cross and says, I appeal to you for mercy through the blood of Christ. That person will be saved for all eternity. Jesus is a sin-pardoning Savior, and Jesus is the right-now righteousness that is good enough for today, the end of time, and the judgment day too. Friend, God is righteous in the gift of Jesus, and God is righteous in forgiving you because of Jesus, and God is righteous because the blood of Jesus It's good enough for all your life, and it's good enough for the wages of sin, which is death, and it's good enough for your final perfection, and it's good enough for the resurrection. It's good enough for the endless ages because we will never tire of glorying in the gift of Jesus Christ. God forbid, Paul says, that I should glory in anything except the cross of Christ. Our ticket out of here is Jesus That is the great exchange that sets the sinner free from the power of the righteousness of the law, of trying to use the law as a means to be accepted, because in Christ we are. The righteous law condemns the sinner, and it is still righteous by doing so. But God has provided a much-needed righteousness that is apart from the law. It doesn't do away with the law, but it's apart from it. That sets the sinner free without doing away with the moral goodness of the law. So the blood of Jesus covers, it atones for our sin. I've heard some voices today say, you know, I I don't want to hear this talk of blood. I want to hear more talk of the blood of Jesus in the church because we need the cleansing blood of Jesus.
0: That will conclude the first portion of Free by His Blood. And don't forget that you can always find these messages online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Have you ever wondered what happens five minutes after death? Do you long for the assurance of eternal life? Is there a longing in your heart for something beyond this life? Dark Tunnels and Bright Lights by Mark Finley is the message of hope that you need. This book presents the real truth about life after death, and it is more amazing than you can imagine. Call for your copy today. Here's the information you need. The telephone number is 855-888-4673, 855-888-4673, 855-888-HOPE. Or you can go to the website reachingyourheart.com. Call for your copy today. The book is yours for a donation of any size. And remember that your donations help to keep this ministry on the air. And we thank you for your support. And we hope that you'll join us again next time we get together for another edition of Reaching Your Heart.